This morning it's unique. I want to start, I felt like God's been stirring in me to preach on one of the books of the Bible. And so I've been praying about, I mean this has been for a few months, I've been trying to get to this place and expecting God to, to tell me where to start. And so, um, uniquely enough, uh, I feel compelled that I'm supposed to preach in 2 Corinthians. And so as a pastor, I'm saying, why in the world would God have me preach the second letter before I preach the first letter? But ultimately, uh, because of some of, of the, the background that I'll give on the book, I feel like God wants us to focus on, on Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And, and so I try to keep things varied in my preaching styles. And, and sometimes I, I, I like to go thematically, and sometimes I like to, to follow a book. But it just keeps me on my toes. I think it keeps us on our toes. helps God get us to where we're going. But... So the, the book of Corinthians, and why Corinthians, and you know the first book of Corinthians, if you know about it, Paul, it's about in the book of Acts chapter 18, you'll see that he goes to Corinth and he starts a church. And he leaves and he goes to Ephesus and he starts to hear about all the problems in Corinth. And so sometime after the, the, the planter or the, the pastor left and, and handed the reins over uh, on the church, he started to hear back about a lot of turmoil, a lot of uh, disagreements, whatever else within the body. And so the first letter of Corinthians is actually he's writing that letter to address a lot of what he's heard. And we see as we look at, at, at the book, um, not only does he write the letter, but then in, 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 it's in 2 Corinthians we see it, but he makes what he calls a very painful trip to the church. And that's before he writes 2 Corinthians. So he's heard about problems. He's went and visited them. And now, as a presbyter, I've got a whole new understanding of what Paul meant when he said he made a painful visit to the church. People in churches can be ugly. And so that's what Paul went back to. He went back and he, he dealt with a painful visit to the church. And now he, he, he comes back and... and, and he decides that, yeah, there still are people there who are attacking him. There still are people there who are disgruntled with him. People are still being led astray. But, but then he writes what we call the second letter to the Corinthians. And what I like about this one, the first one, uh, if you read 1 Corinthians, you see a lot of conflict and conflict resolution. There's nothing wrong with that. The second letter he writes to the church in Corinth, he, he addresses, and rather uh, abruptly in Paul's way, uh, those who are antagonizing him, but the letter seems to be written to those who are there, to those who are trying to wrestle through, to those who are trying to hold on to their faith. And so what I love about 2 Corinthians is, it, is, is it, if, if you read through some of the things, it really seems to be a book that, that, that's very edifying to the believers. It's very encouraging to those who are in there. And so I want to spend, I don't know how many weeks it's going to be because I'm just getting started, but I want to spend a few weeks or several weeks looking at this book because what Paul does is he uses a verse that I preached last week. It was in my sermon last week, but we, this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, this is what I would say we're going to be looking at. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Second Corinthians, what I see Paul doing with the church is he's talking about transformation. 
He seems to be picking areas and showing uh, the, the, the transformation that happens within the body of Christ. The, Pastor Steve, I've got to simplify things sometimes because words like transformation, sometimes I just don't get them. Um, and, and beholding as in a mirror, that sounds good, but, you know, whatever. So what I've come up with, my parents recently moved. I just said yesterday they, they closed on their house, so they're happy. But in the process of moving, I still had some stuff at the house. So mom found some pictures I took. Remember before we had digital things? We actually had pictures that we would take. And with pictures came negatives. And I was showing my kids the negative images. You know, the little strips of the negative pictures and showing them how mom and dad are, or not mom and dad, but probably mostly just dad because mom really wasn't in dad's life then. But anyway, um, but how you can see the negative image. And so if you'll go to that next slide. But what I want to look at, I mean, there I just made a negative image of a picture of us. And what I see Paul doing in the book of 2 Corinthians is he's addressing basically two realities. And so he's looking at things that, you know, I know we talk about a mirror image, but I don't like mirror image very well because it almost just reflects back what we're seeing. But, but the reality is that I want to look at over the next few weeks together is Paul starts talking about a reality in a kingdom reality. And so when I read 2 Corinthians 3.18, what I start thinking about is, is how many times are we so focused on this image that we're not seeing what he sees? How many times are we focused, and I'm going to have to do some homework because I'm not a photography buff, but figuring out how we go from a negative to a positive. Do you know what I mean? But the reality is, what I see Paul doing in the book of 2 Corinthians is he starts comparing and contrasting negative and positive images. And so I want to see how Paul, what he uses it is, is an encouragement to the body. He's trying to encourage them with, with what, what the Word says, but, but too many times, because, guess what? When churches are in turmoil, we see a lot of the left. Right? I haven't been to too many homes where above the mantle they have the negative image of their family. Might think they were a little odd for posting the negative on the wall, right? But I've talked to a lot of people who live in the negative image of their self. I've talked to a lot. We don't, we don't proclaim that. We don't display that. But the reality is we've defined ourselves by what's on, on your left, not on what's on your right. And so I want to look at with you as, as Paul's writing to the, to the church in Corinth some of these, these realities that, that he addresses to the church and see what may need to be transformed in us. Beholding as in a mirror what we may be transformed to reflect the image of God. I'm going to pray, Father, I thank You for Your Word and I thank You for the opportunity to look at Your Word. And I pray this morning, God, that as we behold as in a mirror the Word of God this day, that we're transformed by Your words. 
I pray for us in this place, God, that we have ears to hear You, that we have hearts to receive what You're saying. God, I submit myself to You. I pray that we all could submit ourselves to You in order to hear what You desire for us to hear this day. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's where we start. Book start in chapter 1. That's where Pastor is going to try and start. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort. Now, I'll, I want to see how many students we have. And just notice as I read these next few words, there's one word that seems to come out quite a bit. So, uh, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produce in you a patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. Can you see the negative and positive image that Paul is trying to present to us right now? What is the positive? Comfort. Yes, that appeared a lot of times. What is the negative? Sufferings. And Paul's saying that this is the very reality that we're in. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about Paul's sufferings. I'm going to talk a little bit about Paul's troubles. Because he's speaking from a place of understanding. I mentioned Paul planted a church. He planted lots of churches. But he's hearing from a church and he's taking what he calls painful visits to the church. He's invested blood, sweat, time, energy, effort in, in, in a body. And he's going back there. And what's happening? They've been led astray by some false teachers. They've, they've questioned Paul's authority. They've questioned his leadership. They're doing things all wrong. They get things all screwed up. He's dealing with them. And when he talks about a painful visit, I'm just guessing they've said some things. People have acted some ways against him. That's some of Paul's trials. Paul is... is his, he's aware or he's open with his trials just down a little bit further in that chapter. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. This is what he's writing from, the context in which he's writing from. Talk about suffering. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired what? Life. Itself. Now that's some troubles. Indeed, we felt this is what we were feeling. This is what our reality was telling us. We felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not only rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul's talking about they felt so threatened to the point of death. They were, they were in, in such a place of trouble. They were so troubled that they thought the end result of the reality that they were in was going to be death. I mean, it's easy to identify with that kind of trouble. 
And we've walked in that storm. It's easy to say, this is where I'm at. Look at what he says later on in the book of 2 Corinthians. And I know now, this is where he's getting a little bit forward with uh, pleading his case because he's tired of dealing with everybody else. And he even calls himself a fool in a couple verses before that. So he says, I'm being foolish right now as he lists his trials, his troubles. Whatever anyone else declares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool, but I dare also to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. That's not a trial. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of my Christ? Am I out of my mind to talk of this? I am more. I've worked much harder. I've been in prison much more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits. I have been in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and I have toiled and I have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concerns for the churches. Who is weak? I don't feel weak. Who is led into sin? I don't. Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of all the things that show my weakness. Paul here is showing us what his life has been. Now we read this, this part in 1 Corinthians where he's not talking about his trials. He's not talking about his suffering. Now I get it. We suffer. We all have trials. We all have troubles. We all have, have a hand, quote unquote, that we've been dealt. Paul's saying, look at my hands. Here's my card. I'm going to be foolish for a minute. Let me lay them before you. I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been beaten with whips. I've been beaten with rods. People have tried to kill me at day and night. I don't know where to go because it doesn't matter if I'm with a Jew or an unbeliever. Someone wants to kill me. I've been imprisoned. And the church don't like me. That could be, we talked about last week, who I am. That can be my identity. That can be where I speak from. That can be the presentation I give everyone. They say, hey, how are you doing today? I'm Paul. I've been shipwrecked. I've been persecuted. I've been whipped. I've been beaten. And people don't like me. I'm not saying don't be real with people. Excuse me for a second. But I'm going to guess if most of your conversations start that way, they're stopping that way too. You know what I'm saying? Because Paul recognizes that's the reality that is in this world. That is where he has been. That is what he has experienced. But what is his word? Church, that's, that's who I've been. That's what's happened. People, that, that, that's, I, I come and visit you. You guys called me names and you threw rocks at me or whatever happened to happen in that painful meeting. But he starts his letter saying, I want to tell you about the God of all compassion. The Father of all compassion. The God of all comfort.
You know, we have trials. You know, we have troubles. We have sufferings. But Paul said, let me tell you about the God of comfort. Not just the God of comfort, but the God who comforts. I'm not going to tell you about my sufferings. Yeah, he talks about them a little bit. But, but before I get to that, let me tell you about the God who comforts. Who is the God who comforts? I did a little bit of a word study, looked at what the word was. The word in, in Greek that was written here is the word called paraklesis, which I know that doesn't mean anything to anyone, so I'm going to read a definition that I found. Literally, that word means calling to one's aid, encouragement, comfort. Properly calling, urging, done by someone close beside. And the example, because they said oftentimes when the word paraklesis, we've heard the word paraclete, is used, it's used in a legal context. So it's a personal exhortation that delivers the evidence that stands up. It's an intimate call that someone personally gives to deliver God's verdict. That close call that reveals how the Lord weighs in the relevant facts. It's used of the Lord directly motivating and inspiring believers to carry out His plan. Do you hear what he's saying? He's the God of comfort, the God who pleads your case. So yes, there's a reality. Yes, there's, there's a circumstance that you're facing. But think of it this way. There is a God of comfort who is pleading His case for you. What His Word says in the midst of what your circumstance is. The Latin word literally means with strength. In the midst of your weakness, He wants to make you strong. In the midst of your, in the midst of your trial, He wants to come alongside and walk with you and comfort you and encourage you because the reality is so often our reality is defined by this world. And he says, yeah, you may be experiencing trials and yeah, you may be experiencing suffering and may you, your, your reality may not be what you expected, but the promise is God can plead the case for that reality. I don't know about you, but I like that thought. I like the reality that, that, that there's someone, a, a paraclesis, who, who is the God of comfort, who is speaking my case. My reality might be I failed. My reality might be I, I've sinned, but I've got someone pleading the, the promise that I've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. I've been attacked. I've been, I've been defeated. I've been broken. I've been arrested. I've got someone that's pleading that, 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 that I've been set free. He's the God of comfort. It's who He is. Psalm chapter 46 says, God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in our trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its 
waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with our surging. It doesn't matter the those. The reality is we've got a God who is our refuge and strength, and He is an ever-present help in our trouble. Let me tell you this morning, I don't know what image is in your life. I don't know what circumstances you might be dealing with. I don't know what troubles or trials or situations have come about. But what do I know is that we have a God who is an ever-present help in the midst of where you are. Though the waters may roar, though the the mountains may fall, though the the ground may quake, I can tell you that you have a God who is an ever-present help. He said, I am the God of comfort. He's promised He will comfort you. But so often we live uncomforted. Why? Why? God has declared, I am the God, of, I'm the Father of compassion, the God of comfort. Don't live defined by your troubles. Don't let your troubles or your sufferings be your Lord. Don't let your circumstance determine your reality because God is is the one who is able. He is there. He is with you whether you feel Him or not. I'm going to tie my shoes so I don't have a trouble this morning. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, he said, Pray we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for everyone has, for not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will. I'm going to tell you this morning, He will. Someone needs to hear this morning, He will. Not He might. Not maybe, not sometime down the road, but the reality is He will strengthen you and He will protect you from the evil one. There is one who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. There's an author that seeks to cause problems for you. He's, he, he's the devil. He's real. We talk about that in church. We're not afraid to mention him. He's real. He's trying to cause troubles in your life. But the reality is that God will strengthen you He will give you the strength that you have need of. He will remind that enemy. You know what? The enemy needs to be reminded sometimes. That he's been defeated. Jesus Christ said it is finished. Talk about that declaration to the enemy that tries to to sow. He tries to steal, kill, and destroy. It's finished. It's finished. Man, I like it when Jesus pleads that case for me. They can remind him of the cross. Yeah, it's finished. John chapter 14. God is comfort. I've spoken this while with you, but the advocate. Do you know what that word is in Greek? Paraclesis. The comforter, it says in some versions of the scripture in that in that translation. This is John chapter 14. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you with, my peace I give you. 
I do not give as the world gives, but don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Why? Because I've given you the advocate. I've given you the comforter. I've given you the counselor. Child of God, let me tell you, you should be comforted. God has given you the comforter. Do you not know that you yourselves are a temple of the Holy Spirit and He lives within you? How can the Comforter live within me and I live not comforted? Do you see the the, the random argument there? How the, the outward, the mirror, the transformation should be? Yes, my experience is suffering sometimes. Yes, my experience is trouble sometimes, but that's not who I am. Why? Because the Comforter is inside of me. God desires to comfort you. How much does He desire? He desires it so much that He placed the Holy Spirit inside of you, whom is known as the Counselor or Comforter. So why do we live uncomforted? Why do we live defined by our our trials or troubles. I want to read those verses again because God does something incredible when we're comforted. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort. God wants you to be comforted. And God desires you to be a comforter. We can't comfort someone if we've never been comforted. You know, if I'm defined by all my trials and all my problems, and I'm defined by everything that's wrong in my life or all the circumstances... When someone else comes and talks to me and they need to be comforted with the love of God, they need to be comforted with God's Word, and I just start to spout my identity, and I show them that negative image of who I think I am, and I start telling them about my circumstance, and they're telling me all all that's going on in their life, and and like Paul, I'm just coming back with, yeah, I've been more. I stubbed my toe this morning, and then my truck wouldn't start, and then my wife, she looked at me kind of funny, and then my kids said, Dad, you're mean. And felt all sick to my stomach. Man, we've never been comforted. How can we comfort? He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You know, I use the analogy of being a conduit of His love. Why aren't we a conduit of His comfort? I can comfort you in the midst of the storm because I know who is the one who created the storm. I can comfort you in the midst of your trial because I know in the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. I can comfort you in the midst of what you're going with. No, I can't take away your trouble. No, I can't take away your circumstance. But I can, I can lead you to the paraclete, the advocate that will plead your case before the Father. We need to be comforted so we can comfort others. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. 
If we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. What Paul is saying is, yes, I've dealt with a lot of trials, but what do I take from those trials? I take the reality that in the midst of every one of those moments, every time I was being whipped, every time I was being accused, every time someone spoke something false about me, every time someone spewed hatred at me, I was comforted by the comforter. And so now you, in the midst of what you're going through, church is what he's saying to the church in Corinth, in the midst of the trials and the circumstances that you're facing, I don't want to perpetuate troubles, but I want to point you to the one who comforts. God wants to use you. Yeah. I'm not saying fake If you're in trouble, if you're suffering, be comforted. The God of all comfort desires to come alongside you this morning. The God of all comfort desires to come and be strength for you this day. Why? Yes, for you in the midst of where you are. But why? Because there's a kingdom opportunity that's coming where he's going to use you to comfort someone else. But man, go back to that picture with the pictures. If I look like this, this morning, who wants to talk to me? If I'm saying this is me this day, how can I comfort anyone else? Kids will run from me. Mothers will shield their children's eyes. at the animal that I've become. But I've been transformed. I have been transformed by God. I'm reflecting the image of Christ. I'm not foolish, as the world would say. Maybe they would see me as foolish because in the midst of the storm, I'm talking about the fish I'm going to catch. John chapter 16. You can jump ahead now. Catch back up with me since I sent you backwards. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You know, he says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Why? I have overcome 
the world. I'm going to tell you in your life this morning, whatever may be, whatever circumstance, whatever trials are there, they didn't catch God off guard. And I can tell you that God has a case to plead for your situation. God has a promise to be revealed in where you're at this morning. God desires to comfort you. That's who He is. God wants the Spirit of God who He's placed inside of you. The one who, who, who He's called the very advocate or counselor. He wants Him to do His job from within you. Be comforted. You guys can come forward. Second Corinthians 3.18 again, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you need to be transformed? I want to ask, that our, is this a reality? That as we've looked at the Word of God, we're, be, we're looking as a mirror at the Word, the words that, that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, do you need to be transformed this day? Some I know, some I don't. Your weeks, what's come, maybe there's been suffering, maybe there's been trials, maybe there's been troubles, and it's been hard for you to push through that very reality. You wake up and that's what you think about. You try to start the car and it won't start again so you're faced with it. You look at this situation or that circumstance and you've allowed that trial or trouble to become the, that. That's who you are. I'm going to tell you this morning, be transformed. You know, as a kid I had transformers. I don't know if anybody else did. You'd Little cars, and you turn them into robots and Optimus Prime and all that stuff. You know what I'm talking about? There was a way to transform. It seemed like it was a puzzle. I could never figure them out, and I'd break their arms and then have to put them back on when I got them put together. It's not a puzzle this morning. God desires to comfort you. It's not a puzzle this day. God desires to give you the strength that you have need of. Sometimes we just have to let God do what God wants to do. This morning, if you need to be comforted, allow God to comfort you. How? Well, maybe you cry out to God. Maybe that doesn't work, but guess what Paul said? He's comforted me so I can comfort you. Maybe He's comforted you so you can comfort them. He is the God of comfort. Be comforted. Father, I thank You this morning for Your Word. And God, I thank You for the reality of Your Word and the promise of Your Word. And so in this room, Father, for, for anyone who may say, I understand Paul's words where he talks about all he's been through.
God, if that's the reality of where anyone in this room might be this day, I pray the God of all comfort, the Father of compassion be revealed in their lives. God, if, if we haven't been comforted, we can't fully comfort. And so for everyone in this room, God, no matter how big or how trivial our trial or trouble may seem, God, I ask that the Comforter would be revealed. The One who comforts would be revealed in us and then use us to comfort others. Help us to know the God who comforts. This morning, in Jesus' name, as they pick a song out of hope, I want to give us an opportunity. And I don't know what what it is, and, and maybe... You need prayer. And maybe there's some in this room that say, yeah, Pastor, I need to be comforted. And I want to give God and I want to give the body of Christ an opportunity to do and be who God's designed us to be. I want God to be able to comfort you. I want to be able to be used to comfort you. I want others within the body of Christ to be able to comfort you if that's what God so desires in this place this morning. But I know that God does not desire you to be defined by your troubles. I know God does not want your trial to be the Lord of your life. I know that God is the author and finisher of all things, and He desires to be that in you and through you. Sometimes it's hard to comfort if we don't know who needs comfort. And I know we don't like public things sometimes, but I'm going to ask for a public response. You know, this morning, if you need to be comforted, I'm just going to ask that you stand where you're at. If you know that you need to be comforted, just just stand. No one's going to look at you weird. Believe me, this is going to give us the opportunity to fulfill the purpose that God has for us. If this week, if this month, if this year it's been nothing but troubles or trials and you know I need comfort, don't be afraid to stand. It's all right. And as people stand, church, I encourage us as a body, us as believers, to begin to be the body of Christ. Yes, I've been comforted so I can comfort others. And I encourage you to just let God speak to your heart. And then as you see someone around you, as you see someone near you or across the room, go and begin to pray. Go and begin to declare God's word for their life. Go and begin to show them the God of comfort that you know. God doesn't desire for you to be fined by your troubles. This morning we can respond together. I encourage us to respond as a body. Find someone, pray with them. Be God's mirror. Be the mirror of God. The the image of God reflected to those who are around you. God, in this room, every one of us, I pray we could be comforted by the Most High. 
God, I pray we would experience that inexpressible joy, that unexplainable love, that unconditional love that can only come from the Most High. God, I pray that in the midst of our weakness that you would be made perfect. That not one in this place would leave not experiencing the comfort of the Most High. That not one of us, God, would leave not knowing that that, that the Almighty, the Spirit of God lives within us. God, that are outward, that what we do, that, that who we are would be transformed because of who you are and because of what you've done and because of what you've accomplished in us and through us. Let us be comforted this day. going to say the, the priestly blessing I speak every time, but I want to continue to let them lead in worship in here for a little bit. Let the sanctuary remain the sanctuary for a little while. Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you be comforted. And may you comfort others. Amen? Be blessed. I'm going to just have Tam continue to lead. If you want to be dismissed. You're welcome to. If you want to stay in here and worship for a little bit, you're welcome to. If you want to pray with someone, guess what? You can do that too. If you want to hug someone, that's a good thing. You can tell them you love them and you comfort them. Whatever it is, just let God be God, okay?